Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good afternoon, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Empowering Podcast. And I want to introduce you to a wonderful person, which is, which is very well known to you now, I'm sure, Emily Parr-Smith. And Emily is a wonderful, warm person. I've known her a long time because of my interest in women's health, and we've done a lot of lectures together. Emily is Ireland's only clinical sexologist and has been a therapist for nearly 20 years. She's got a master's in sexology. Her passion and mission is to get Ireland talking about sexuality in a very healthy and educated way, and particularly for women, uh, I think, Emily, it would be the point there. She um, believes that sexual pleasure needs to be thought and normalised to provide a balance to the fear and shame that many of us carries from years of, of saying the sex was dirty. So, so that's great. And she also brings a very positive approach to her work as a psychosexual therapist, an educator, a speaker, a writer and an advocate. And I can tell you, she's an amazing speaker. When I gave the lectures with her, with Lorraine Keane um, around on menopause, we started six years ago, I think, Emily. And uh, mm. the women, even the 70 year olds were coming up crying and saying, oh, my God, if only we had met her. You know, <laughs> you've made it all sound so and, and, and so many uh, ignorance, really, uh, on behalf of women of what they didn't know. And, and they were really, really um, upset about that. So I suppose, what, would you just uh, talk to us about what you want to achieve, Emily, and what, what is normal sexual behaviour? Well, there, there are two very, very um, big questions. I think mm. you've covered a lot of what I want to achieve, and I want to achieve it by walking the talk and by being a little bit, as, I, as I've said before, a little bit baggy at the edges myself. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not... You know, I'm no model, I'm not massively fit, I'm not loaded, mm. and I have great sex. And that's the message I want to give to women is that it's not about perfection, it's not about achieving, mm. and it's not about putting it off until, until I've done this, until I look this way, until I've mm. achieved something. It's something you can do in ill health, it's something you can do as you age, it's something you can do um, while you're grieving, but you need to be kind to yourself and you need to be patient and you need to adjust Absolutely. how you are sexually to your life circumstances and not expect to be able to, you know, achieve a great sex life when your life is hectic and, mm. and busy. It's, it's, a, it's an overall holistic approach to sexuality, which isn't usually how it's thought of. It's usually compartmentalized. People get all the rest of their lives sorted or, you know, or, mm. and, and then, but sex isn't working or, you know, they're having a really, really tough time and then mm. expect sex to be working. And both of those don't 
don't really they're not really that kind to, Ab- to ourselves absolutely and I suppose for years uh, we, you know sex was only for reproduction particularly in Ireland and we need well, to get so we were told, told. I mean, it exactly never was only for that's the point yeah exactly so now thankfully people realise it's for pleasure and, and that's where, where things are changing and I suppose what I'd be very interested in Emily is to how do we educate young women and young girls in particular and, and society that, that sex is for pleasure for men and women because up to this it really was pleasure for men only and the porn sites and all that are just very much geared towards men how do we get into the education system in here in Ireland in particular and teach our adolescent girls and boys that sex is for pleasure and that it's for pleasure for both sexes not just for for the male how do we change well, I'm that to just, I'm going to just get a bit but um, I'm just going to slow that down a little bit and because because really I think we, there's a problem in the question to start mm. because I think that's a, a question that's gendered. And I mm. think for me, I'd want to take the gender out of it, first of okay. all, yeah. because first of all, there aren't just two genders. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who get left out of the conversation if we only talk about boys and girls who also need to be helped with their sexuality. Exactly. We yeah. also need to normalize gender variance for everybody mm-hmm. so that everybody can aim for health and happiness and 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 pleasure when they come to, when mm-hmm. it comes to their sexuality. So I don't actually see a need for it to be gendered. I think think that's Mm. a big mistake and I think Mm. it comes from a history of shame Mm. like separating boys and girls um, and of course there's no room for anybody else in in a school environment. I suppose we're not really what I'm really wanting is that just that it's pleasurable for everyone that's really what I want to do how do we get the education message across. Well this is what I'm starting we have to start by not segregating Mm. people into boys and girls because a lot of people are left out and because boys need to learn about women's girls pleasure just as much as girls do mm-hmm. and girls need to learn about boys pleasure just as much as uh, you know uh, we all need to learn yes the yes. next thing is we need to be normalizing it and talking about it from a very young age mm-hmm. and talking about body parts and labeling them correctly and naming them correctly that's very empowering it's more done it's more practiced for people with penises because penises stick out and they're more obvious yes. and people talk about them more and there's a lot more about penises available to mm-hmm. us Mm-hmm. So um, female genitalia or, you know, tend not to be spoken about nearly as much. So first mm-hmm. of all, we need to, I think, stop gendering the conversation. Okay. Yeah. I want everyone to be kind to each other. I want everyone to care about somebody else's safety or consent, not just boys mm-hmm. with girls or, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get away from that, I think. And oh, then I oh. think it's about normalizing bodies from a very young age. It needs to be a three-prong approach at the moment because of where we're at in Ireland, mm-hmm. where uh, parents and guardians, teachers and students all get taught the same message mm-hmm. because right now the teachers aren't in a position a lot of the time to teach. Okay. Um, so they're given a curriculum, perhaps mm-hmm. if it's in school and it's somebody from a teacher within the school doing it, that they may not understand or feel comfortable with themselves. So the okay. first thing is for teachers to be comfortable with the topic. Okay. And, and there's no way around it. Parents and guardians, if you want your children to have a more positive sex life, you're going to have to do a bit of work on yourselves, probably, mm-hmm. depending on, on your own stuff. But if you're uncomfortable talking about your children, to, about talking to children about sexuality, you need to do a bit of work on that. Own it. It's okay. We're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. pain here. Mm-hmm. But 
then you're walking the talk and you're showing your children through your own actions and your own attitudes that it's okay to talk about it. It's normal. Very good. And so they're, the, they're the basics brilliant. before you even get into what curriculum you would share. Brilliant, brilliant. And Emily, have you any plans, because you're the main person in the country, uh, our only sexologist, any plans to approach the Department of Education as to how you could educate the adolescents um, oh, I have, approached, I have oh. approached them and I've approached some TDs. I get no response whatsoever. Okay. So okay. Um, I get, uh, and I'm very, very busy. And I also think there are a lot of really great educators mm-hmm. who are very passionate about our youth. And I help where, where I can and when I'm invited. But if I'm not even being engaged with in a conversation, then there's not an awful lot okay. more I feel I can do. Though I, I think I'm probably copping out a bit there, Mary. Yeah. And yeah. I probably could do more. Yes, yes. Well, you're <laughs> doing a lot by doing this podcast, Emily. So thank you very much. <laughs> so, you. Uh, so Emily, um, wanna th- tell us about, I, I interrupted you there. Tell us about what, what um, for example, with the female anatomy, you were saying that with men, it's very obvious, but what, what do people not know about the female anatomy from... from well, you know, I think, I, <laughs> you see, if we're not teaching about pleasure, mm-hmm. so let's just take the most obvious thing. The clitoris is not taught at all mm-hmm. for, for females. And um, I harp on about this. So people have heard me before going, oh, she's off again. But actually, it's the whole point of pleasure mm-hmm. for, for female anatomy. We're taught about the male genitals and we're taught that the penis is the sex organ for people who have penises. And that is true. But we're taught the female, we're not really given the name like female sex organ. We're just told here's the female anatomy. And so we kind of assume that this female sexual organ is the vaginal canal, which as you know, is the birth canal and can be uh, enjoyable and pleasurable, but it's not our sex organ. Our sex organ is our clitoris. Mm -hmm. It's not even in the diagrams. Mm -hmm. So that's why, so, so as long as we're not even teaching correct anatomy, Mm -hmm. we're we're in trouble. If we know from our history, we know from those of us who've had some form of education that just learning how babies are made doesn't keep us safe, doesn't help us engage respectful encounters, doesn't help us with boundaries or communication. So I think you can teach the the biology, you know, yourself, Mary, that's not, it's not a tricky, Mm. that tricky to teach. You could teach it fairly quickly. Then we need to move on to how are you, how can you feel proud of yourself when you're interacting with yourself and with other people rather than ashamed or afraid? And how can you gauge your pleasure and another person's pleasure as a marker for consent? I think it's such a Mm. simple, simple and clear way to learn about consent, for example. Excellent. Am I really enjoying myself? Does this feel good in my body? If it Mm. does, great. If it doesn't, I, I need to know that that's where I draw a boundary and it's okay to do that. Well done, yes. And if I'm looking into the eyes, which a lot of people don't do, but if I'm looking at the person that I'm engaging with sexually and they look a bit shut down, they look like they're just going along with it because I've convinced them to do something. If they look like they're not engaging in it or enjoying themselves, that's a time to stop and Mm -hmm. slow down and check because you will feel a lot better about yourself when you've had an encounter with someone who has really enjoyed your touch Mm -hmm. than if you've had an encounter where someone was really, really drunk, unconscious or coerced into whatever it is that you're doing. So again, while we're gendering the the talks, Mm -hmm. we still this idea that that males are always on for sex and we'll always try it and we'll always try and get a sly, you know, 
lead into something and that girls are the gatekeepers to that and girls have to control that and have to be in charge of this. While we're doing that, we're setting young people up against each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really offensive to young boys that they're always considered to be the possible perpetrators and that all girls have to carry the weight of protecting from that. It doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We know that's not where sexual violence tends to come from anyway, although it's getting more mainstream in our society. I think Mm -hmm. for, 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 for date raping and that kind of a thing, it seems to be happening a bit more, or maybe it's just getting reported more. But I, you know, I think, I think the pleasure model teaching about female pleasure we know in countries where they do that, where they teach girls about their own pleasure, that those girls choose to encounter sexually later. And they tend to make better decisions about who they engage with because they're not reliant on another person for their pleasure. They understand their bodies and they can say, you know what, you're really bad at this. I'm going off to masturbate. It's way more fun. Mm-hmm. And it actually it actually happens. Mm-hmm. So they make less dangerous decisions. They don't feel pushed into things as much because they have some sexual autonomy. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, where they do this in countries where they do this and they do the research, mm-hmm. there's evidence to support this. There is no evidence to support what we do for our youth. Okay, very good. And there's Emily, lots of evidence to show it doesn't work. Wonderful. <laughs> and Emily, for parents listening here on, on how best to educate their young teenagers, what um, where would you, what books would you suggest or websites would you suggest? Well, I'd say, I'd say if your children are younger than teens, Start younger, you know, start what much younger, start at two and three for the body stuff. Mm-hmm. Start, you know, get a, as they get a bit older, you can talk about public and private as they're heading into into uh, towards. And that's before puberty. As they're heading into puberty, then you can talk a little bit more about hormones and the effects of those and how their bodies are going to change. And they're going to start to get different feelings in their bodies that, that are connected to maybe some sexual excitement or energy and that this is all really normal, that mm-hmm. everyone gets this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, again, teaching boundaries, teaching respect, teaching pleasure and okay. teaching communication means your teenagers are much more confident and set up for, for how they're going to engage as they get older. Okay. If you haven't done that and you've got teenagers and you're thinking now is about the time that I need to do this, and you're feeling awkward about it, if you are, you're feeling uncomfortable. There's a, a wonderful American website that I love. It's called Scarletine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Scarlet and then Teen, T-E-E-N. Um, and it's a wonderful, sex-positive, very inclusive website mm-hmm. that parents can look at and get resources from. You can look at it with your children. And also it's a great um, resource for children. It's sort of from... Um, aimed at 14 upwards good good and so it's great up into your 20s but it will answer questions that children might struggle to talk to their parents about if you've left it till teenagers to start talking mm-hmm. odds are your skills around these conversations are going to be tricky enough mm-hmm. so it can be nice to have a, a site that you can steer your children towards where the, the information is reliable okay very good and you brought yeah. up a point about the girls being the gatekeepers but I suppose the, the girls traditionally are the ones that have to take contraception and have to worry about getting pregnant or they take the responsibility of that how do we change that Emily where we, we let ask everyone to take responsibility for 
you well, know. first we've got to we've got to acknowledge that people have sex for fun. Yes, and that you said that people are starting to do that more, but the educational system isn't doing that. Mm-hmm. That's not what's being taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, until we start acknowledging that there's a need for people to learn about safe sex that isn't all just about pregnancy, yes, yes. it is going to keep falling to to females. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not um, it, it's not working. Mm-hmm. So how long do we keep? bashing our heads against a brick wall and bashing our children's heads against brick walls. Yes, absolutely. So I think that's, you know, that's it. That's the place to start. And also, if we're not bringing boys into the conversation about female reproductive health, how are they to care or know about about uh, about contraception? Mm-hmm. Um, all we do is terrify young people about STIs and yes. pregnancy. Yes. We don't, we're not honest about how STIs are treatable and manageable and curable, whichever mm-hmm. one we're talking about. We don't ever, we never empower young people to think that they, you know, that these things are, are they happen and it's okay. We only talk about the, the worst case scenario. Yes, exactly. yes. So, you know, I think what happens then is young people just shut down and they don't want to learn that anymore. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. sick of hearing it. So I think that plays a part in why young people who don't get pregnant don't take it on too seriously or as seriously as they could because they're just turned off by the conversation that's all so negative. Very good, very good. And Emily, in your introduction there, you spoke about, because I see this a lot, um, I had couples coming into me and they say they're, they don't have time for for pleasure and this is a big problem especially with people with young kids and working and and they get upset about it because they're worried about the disintegration of the relationship as a result so what what do you say about that or what's your advice I agree with you. I think it's one of the biggest problems mm. that, that that couples of all ages are, are suffering with now. And I, I, you know, look, you may or may not agree with me about this. I think you might, Mary, but mm. I think a lot of people mightn't. But I think we wear a badge of stress and busyness on our arms like it's something that, to be proud of. And mm. I think the, the busier and more tired and more stressed we are, somehow we almost talk about it the way we may have talked about having a beautiful hobby or... Um, something that actually nourished nourished us before. Mm-hmm. Now it's the, it's the currency, that and anxiety. It's like once we say that, then it's like we're okay. We're on the we're on the board somehow. We're 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 achieving. Mm-hmm. But what are we? We're achieving stress and busyness. And so I think I think for me, there needs to be um, you know a little bit of space given to people to make decisions based on their welfare rather than their mortgage. And I know a lot of people are already stuck in that rat race and. Mm-hmm. And so if you're already stuck in that rat race, I think you have to possibly adjust your expectations of of, of what you're going to be able to achieve. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to, um, I mean, I'm a great fan of people and people, a lot of couples hate this at the start, but if you schedule things, if you have a busy family, young children and jobs and so many things to juggle, mm. you're probably scheduling stuff around school appointments or doctor's appointments or going shopping for your kids shoes before school or you know the gym or all these different things we try to fit in mm-hmm. and and we have to do that because otherwise we they don't get done and we forget mm-hmm. and yet when it comes to our sexual lives we feel we don't want to do that mm-hmm. because we should it should just work we should mm-hmm. just naturally be drawn to it but that's not the way humans work. We have to make a habit of it. Mm-hmm. So if busyness has become the habit, then we need to get out our diaries and sit with each other and schedule time with each other as adults 
away from children, however that looks for you, if it's in the morning, if it's at lunchtime, if it's in, in the early evening, if it's, you know, you, you pick times when you're not completely knackered and about mm. to need to fall asleep because that's good. what people do as well. And it gets re relegated to the last thing on the list. So I would say, get out your schedules, schedule some time, get over that it feels, it feels everyone wants spontaneity, but what in your life is spontaneous these days? Be realistic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about that. It's okay to schedule an hour with your person and leave it up to the hour to see what you do if you want. There's the spontaneity. If you need spontaneity, if that's so and, and And Emily, as the sexologist, what is the norm for couples? Well, what should they be trying to achieve? Because you see, oh, that there's Mary. a huge... Yes, but you see, this is something that I hear about. I hear all yeah. the time. They, they worry do. about what is the norm. Yeah. They hear their friend doing it once a week and they're only doing it once every six months and they get really yeah. alarmed about it. So yeah. what's the norm? I think Irish people are prone to wondering what the people next door are doing. I yes. hear it a lot. And a lot of there's a lot of suffering, actually, that we can bring on ourselves by mm. comparing ourselves to this imaginary sex life that we may not actually know our, our friends are having. Mm -hmm. So I, I hear a lot from people. Oh, I saw Mary and she's so gorgeous and she's so healthy and she's so and she's obviously having an amazing sex life and then mary comes to me for help so, <laughs> <laughs> I used your name there it wasn't this not you, mary. but you know i think it's really important that um maybe we just compare ourselves to ourselves rather yes. than others and their imaginary sex lives and then what's normal what's what's healthy for a couple is really for them to decide so for some couples they're going to want to have sex every day. For other couples, it's once a week. For other couples, it's once a month. And for other couples, it's every couple of months. And they're, if they're happy and fulfilled with that, that's the answer. Okay, great. Because some people feel that if it's less, that it's, it's a reflection on the relationship. And you're saying the evidence says no. Is that right, Emily? Well, if you're able to talk about it and if both of you are, are happy with it, mm -hmm. then it's it's a no brainer. That's all. You don't have to compare to anyone else. And mm -hmm. the other really important thing, Mary, I think, is what do we mean by sex? So for a lot of people, when we're talking about this, we immediately think penis and vagina, penetrative sex. Mm. But if you're in a same sex couple, that's not the sex you have. And if you have an illness or a disability or something that makes uh, or menopause, something that makes mm. penetration difficult for you or you just don't like it then you need to we need to talk about other ways that we have sex and that, that we are sexual with each other and maybe those can be brought in in a more a little bit more more um, regularly than what we would have originally thought is the only only form of sex so in oh, other words I know I've, I've I've seen beautiful things where a person has been on their deathbed and they have been you know sex was very important to them and their partner will hold their hand in a way and stroke their hand in a way with eye contact and breathing together in a way where they can share an intimacy that is the intimacy they loved sharing when they could be physically sexual with each mm, other. Mm -hmm, and for good. them, that's sex then. That's what they're able for and that connects them in such a deep way. So giving ourselves permission to feel pleasure. Mm -hmm. You see, if we come back to pleasure, then you can get pleasure from having your back stroked mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be sexual in order for it to be intimate and loving. Mm -hmm. If we give ourselves a broader 
playground to enjoy pleasure with each other, mm-hmm. we may find other ways that we can share a sexual energy with each other rather than feeling, oh, I'm so not able for the full-blown penetrative experience, so I'll do nothing. Very good. And I suppose you, you brought up menopause there and when women have vaginal dryness. And I know <clears throat> I've heard your lectures, there's loads of lubricants that women can use. There's estrogen pessaries that you can, mm. that there's no need to suffer. And, and it's exactly. it's really important. That you know do about the, um, there's a new, um, well, it's not that new, but I think it's fairly rare in Ireland, the, the laser treatment that women can have for their yes. vaginas. Yes, yes. And that's really important, isn't it? I've only mm. learned recently about it mm. and, and the effectiveness of it for women who've really not got the help that they've needed for ages. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes the estrogen isn't enough mm-hmm. to repair the, the vaginal walls. That they're, so for women who might be listening going, well, actually, it is my lot. I've had all the treatment I can get and I've still got pain. Laser is often something that there's great results being shown for. Absolutely. I know there's a clinic in Dublin and a clinic in Cork that that are doing it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Dr. Rita, I can't remember her second name. She's Italian and she's in the Dublin clinic. And it's it's a wonderful thing Mm. if you've reached the end of your estrogen yes. tether so to speak it's exactly. not the end there's more you can do exactly and just coming back because again I, I see this so much in, in my clinics where I get the, the female or the male where they've had a very healthy sexual relationship um, for a few years and then suddenly one partner just doesn't for two years and yet they're getting on really well mm-hmm. but but the, the one the guy for example just say it's the woman that, that has stopped the man is worried then that is it that I'm not doing everything right or whatever. What do you advise in those situations? Because we see that in in both. Yeah, I think it's a really good question, Mm. (laughs) first of all. I think there's so many reasons why that can happen. So it's hard to give a, you know, a blanket Mm. idea of what can work. It's very common though, yeah. Really what it's, what how you begin it is to be able to figure out what's really going on. So, So I think partners can struggle to talk about the reality of the reason Mm -hmm. because if they love each other they're worried about hurting each other Mm -hmm. so the first thing is to get clear on why it's happening Mm -hmm. and I think people whose libidos drop will have the same worries as the partners whose libido hasn't dropped because Mm -hmm. there's such a lack of understanding as to all the different reasons that that can happen that aren't related to the relationship Mm -hmm. and how much they love each other Mm -hmm. but they are quite often related to stress and energy management as you would know mm-hmm. hormone trouble or and children coming and 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 after after children have been born and and a lack of understanding about what's what what is okay mm-hmm. how long people need to recover from different birth and all these different things so you can get into a habit you get told i think in a lot of the time, oh, you'll be able to have sex after six weeks mm. when you've had a baby. And, and that's not the case for a lot of women who not have had maybe tears or whatever. Exactly, yes. Yeah. But but just even on an energy level and mm. a hormonal level, that's very fast for a lot of women to be expected to. So what I see is those couples will come to me thinking there's something wrong with the relationship mm. because they weren't able to hit that mm. marker mm-hmm. when actually she's just worn out and needs mm. help and needs to give herself a break and she will need to get back into a routine of of self-love first 
getting used to her body and her vulva again, her vagina, if there's been any changes. That's mm. a very emotional journey for a lot of women. Absolutely. A very vulnerable one. Especially if they've had trauma, like a vaginal exactly. tear or, or a yeah, traumatic and birth. You probably, yeah. You'd know better than me, but women can really struggle to even connect with their vulvas mm. or their vaginas after something like that has happened. To even look at themselves is terrifying for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So, And then they're expected to be having sex. I mean, <laughs> again, yes. it's about kindness, isn't it? Yes, and, yeah. And... So that's one of the things. And I think, so I think talking about it, first of all, finding out what is really the reason um, that you're not feeling as as horny or as desirous as you were feeling mm-hmm. um, and getting help mm-hmm. because there's probably a reason mm-hmm. and you probably don't need to go through it, suffer in silence or, or feel your relationship separating somehow because you're not having the intimacy. That's probably... Mm-hmm. Probably something you can get help with. And where do they get help? You're, you're obviously you, Emily. They can go to and talk about. There are, but there are a lot of great psychosexual okay. therapists in right. Ireland. You know, I do psychosexual therapy is one of the things I do. But there are some other really, really good psychosexual okay. therapists. Unfortunately, there are some therapists who shouldn't be working in sexuality mm-hmm. who are who okay. don't actually have any training in it okay. and just think they can talk about it. So I would always check your therapist's credentials if you want to talk to them about sex. Great. Make sure they have some solid training. Make sure it is solid training where they need to be assessed, they need to be accredited and they need to be and that they're being supervised. Don't go to tantra practitioners. I'm saying it out and I know I'll probably make enemies, but mm-hmm. I don't think that and I don't think they have the training to deal with the mm-hmm. emotional side of it or the medical or the, you know, medication side of things that so many of us live with now Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think it's really important to go to someone who's going to give you solid factual help rather than Mm -hmm. something that may make you feel worse afterwards very very good and emily the the other thing then and i remember you giving a talk about this is that you know for for couples um who are married for a long time they, they, they get fed up of doing the same thing. How can it may be made more entertaining for them or they, they yeah, worry about great, that? Great mm. question. And I think, again, the first stage, if you want to do that on your own, you need to have communication. The, a big mistake I hear is um, uh, is um, often the male partner will want to spice things up. He'll feel that that's the problem and mm-hmm. that spicing up is what's needed. But actually, if he really, really spoke to his partner, he might find that it's about spending more time together first and him her feeling interested or interesting mm-hmm. and that he actually is you know wants to know about her as a person that's often the most you know the most important foreplay for foreplay that's left out i call it foreplay for foreplay for sex mm-hmm. so usually we go oh we need more foreplay and it's physical sexual skills but actually for most women in long-term relationships they need non-sexual foreplay Mm -hmm. they need to feel attractive that their partner is interested in them that they are more than a mother or a housekeeper or someone who's run ragged doing jobs and all sorts of things they need other things and i'm just that's a general um very common dynamic i meet but there are lots of different dynamics and reasons why people people get bored usually it's because they're not talking 
They're afraid to introduce something that they're interested in in mm -hmm. case they, they're judged or they their partner feels overwhelmed. Um, so they just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But talking about it, I mean, you've had probably had each other's genitals in your mouths and yet you can't talk about mm -hmm. what you might enjoy mm -hmm. trying mm -hmm. together. It's, it's again, it's the shame, mm -hmm. you know. That exactly, that we need to change that. But, sorry, just to say, if you are, if you are in a position where you're not, that stuck and you want to do something I'm a great fan of ethical or, or feminist porn and I'd highly recommend that to get you a little get your juices flowing it's very friendly for people who care about the welfare of the actors involved it's it's sex positive the orgasms that women are having in it are real so you can actually learn some stuff some moves mm. <laughs> Um, there are some amazing filmmakers now at the moment who are are coming up to meet a need in consumers, um, a need for a little more story, a little more sensuality, and for the actors to be free range organic. Okay, very good. And you brought up a very good point, Emily, there about orgasm. So men orgasm always and women nope. worry not always okay well then you're okay well you're this the specialist in this area so so but it's you know how do we what do um women have to do to to achieve an organism because the, it is a problem where women would say to me you know it hardly ever happens so what do they do yeah that? yeah yeah so i mean I, again, we're back to that thing. Are you going to take responsibility for your own pleasure mm. or are you going to wait until your partner gives you pleasure? And they're not because they don't know what they're doing and you're not able to tell them because you don't know your own body. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a loaded question, Mary. I'm mm -hmm. clearly saying yes. <laughs> to women, take responsibility for your own pleasure. Brilliant. And I'm talking about pleasure. Don't start by trying to you know, rub your clitoris the way it's been done to you before that doesn't work. Don't you know, slow down, give yourself a bit of time and a bit of space to just feel pleasure in your body. Don't start with your vulva, start touching yourself with a beautiful moisturizer. If you like that after a shower, for example, take a, a few more minutes, just two more minutes to rub cream in, to notice, to appreciate your skin, what it feels like to have hands on your body. Notice the parts of your body that give you pleasure. Begin there and build towards sexual pleasure, but start with general pleasure and don't put pressure on yourself to orgasm, just explore pleasure. Mm -hmm. And ironically, by taking the pressure off orgasming, you're probably more likely to get there. Mm -hmm. I'm also a great fan of toys. I mm -hmm. think if you don't know where to start and I can't give a full, I teach women how to orgasm with you, with their hands. Um, but I also teach women how to use toys. So here with you, I would say, if you're not having success, don't give up. You have the same body as anyone else. You have the potential to orgasm. And if it's not working with what you know, you can look for somebody like me or Betty Dodson as a wonderful person online to learn from. But also you can get yourself a toy and you're probably going to have orgasms. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and there's a lot to learn about toys. But um, again, that's something I teach and I talk about a lot. Um, it's it's a tricky one, but I like Love Honey because they, they're an English site and I like them because, and Joe Devine, both mm -hmm. English sites, they have little videos where they show you how a toy works. You can mm -hmm. hear how loud it is and these women have tested them. So I kind of like that you can get an idea before you buy because there's thousands of toys on the market. Mm -hmm. Very hard to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and remember women, your sex organ is your clitoris. So you don't need to look for some, some big phallic object because you may not even need penetration for your orgasm. So give yourself a bit of education, a bit of permission 
um, you know, you don't need a big, giant, mm -hmm. scary thing to uh, as a toy. You can get these beautiful, delicate, nicely colored, small handheld toys that stay in the palm of your hand that are external stimulators. Mm -hmm. well, what I really like about what you're saying is that it's all about respect of each other. It's, yeah. it's pleasure. And, and we're bringing it away from that sort of thing of, of instant gratification. As you said, it's it's pleasure yeah. and respect for the for each other as a human being and trying to give pleasure I, as well as receive pleasure. You, yeah. Do you know what I, I liken it to the difference between um, settling in for a long Michelin star lunch versus a McDonald's. Very good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good. Yeah. And excellent. busy people, you know, we all know fast mm. food's very, very popular. <laughs> really busy. Yes, and I'm against the If you want McDonald's. longevity, you've got to go for the, the more healthy well, option. Yeah. Let's feast. Yes. Let's slow down and taste and smell and listen and touch and enjoy the whole experience. Make Go to the trouble of making your environment a little bit mm. sexier, a little bit more sensual for you. Put music on that you enjoy. Go to the effort of, you know, putting on something that makes you feel good, whatever that might be, or nothing if that's what makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Think, give it a little bit of time. Remember how much time and thought you give to other areas of your life that are a lot less complex. Mm -hmm. And give yourself a little bit of space, you know, to to think about yourself in this way as a sexual being, rather than just expecting yourself to have a switch. Women seem to think that we should be able to just have a switch. Maybe we did when we were younger or in early years, okay. but that switch goes. It's okay. meant to go. But because we only have a male arousal model to compare to, we think there's something wrong with us when we can't flip a switch the same way some men can do later into life. Mm -hmm. Very good. And Emily, when should couples seek help if, if for example, they have problems? How long do, should they allow it go on for before they seek help? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm a believer in, in seeking help early because mm -hmm. you'll spend a lot less money. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> you know, if you wait t six years to see me, you're going to have a lot more recovery to do before you get to the work. Mm -hmm. If you see me six months into the problem, you're not going to have recovery to do. We're going to get straight to the problem and work on it. But, you know, being sexual and if you have problems, whatever the problem is, it's such an emotional mm. issue between two people that hurt can happen, trust can be damaged, and and we come to the, then they come to the work bruised. Mm. So the shorter, the, the sooner you get help, the less bruising you're going to arrive with, which will need to be taken care of before you get to to what where you're trying to get. Wonderful. So I, I, that's how I work anyway. I wouldn't try and step over somebody's bruising and say, right, come on, here's your program. You've got to get on with it and do this while you're both not sure if you feel safe with each other. Okay. That's the bit will have to happen first. Wonderful. And how important is it in a relationship? Um, and I like the way you defined loads of things being sexual, not just the yeah. how important is it uh, being in a relationship? I think that's a very personal thing. I think we all have we all have the question around our sexuality, but I think real sex positivity, and I'm a sex positive therapist and person, is not putting any expectations on anyone for for what is good or what is right or what's enough. Mm -hmm. So you know, I think that's down to the individuals, the individual person to 
to figure out for themselves. Some people are asexual. Some people aren't interested in being sexual at all and it doesn't make them unhealthy. Very good. You have to allow for that as well. As well. And Emily, you've reminded me of something. I would see women around menopause who naturally for all sorts of reasons don't uh, don't have the energy for sex, but that their their partner does want it. Um, What do you do in those instances? I mean, obviously, we do everything for the woman to help them, but still they might not have the same inclination or, or there's a couple where one has more desire than the other. What do you do yeah, there? Very good. That's the biggest couple issue you've yeah. named there. Yeah. So, I mean, what do they have energy for? So mm. what are they being expected to do? What are they expecting themselves to do? Can, can you start somewhere softer, more gently? shorter sessions or might she might have energy to have a massage which might allow her to release tension for the day and then she might feel more able to be sexual mm-hmm. but again it's about it's not about her having to meet any markers to in order to feel sexual that's often what will put a woman off but look mm-hmm. women who are having great sex with people they love but are in long-term relationships and getting older I do it. I'll often have the option for sex and think, yeah, sex, or will I do some laundry? I mean, that just seems to be the way our minds work. So there Mm. is a point, if the woman wants to, where she will need, even in the best of relationships, to make a choice in the moment to let herself become turned on. Mm -hmm. We tend not to come from a place of simmer as we get older and in long-term relationships. We tend to, for women, we tend to need to go, okay, there's my person, or I'm single and I want to go out and hook up tonight. I have to decide that that I'm going to get turned on once I'm once I'm taking action Mm. and then take action and then you get turned on as long as the action is actually arousing for you. if, but whereas guys often will be more able to feel horny and then take action, we need to decide we're going to get horny, take action to get horny, and then mm-hmm. and go from there. So don't worry. Don't worry if you don't feel in the mood or you're exhausted or you'd rather do something else. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're in the same boat as most women. What stops you then deciding to get turned on? Is it that what's happening between you and your partner or you and yourself isn't a turn on? because mm-hmm. then that's a different thing then we have to look at that well done well Emily I think you're a mind of information I really felt it was really important in this empowering group of podcasts that we spoke about sexual health and spoke to a sexologist like yourself because changing the narrative which was so negative in our history in Ireland we just need to do that and the more we talk about it in a very positive way and pleasure and respectful and mm-hmm. we, I spoke to Nolene Blackwell we did a podcast with her and she was all about boundaries but mm-hmm. I loved the way you approached it you know, where it's all about respect and giving pleasure to each other. And then, you know, that's how you teach people about what's right for them and what's not right for them. Yeah, we want the hell yeah. We don't want the feeling of, Mm. oh, go on then. Okay, you've broken me down. I'll go ahead and we can do, we can engage in this. I want to look at my partner and see in their eyes, a hell yeah, I want to do this. Very good. That's consent. Brilliant. So again, if we teach consent from a scary place of Mm. what could happen if you haven't got consent or you didn't give consent, which is how we are teaching it. Yes, which yeah. is a very negative way, yeah. then we're not going to get the same results, I think. Excellent. And Emily, what um, website or books would you recommend for couples who maybe want to to research? Um, well, if, some of what if you've women are us? struggling or want to learn about orgasms, Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, is a great book. It's all science-based. It's all backed by research. Very good. And women find it very, very useful. Mm-hmm. 
if you are in a marriage or a long-term relationship where you love each other, but things just aren't right, you've lost the intimacy. I love anything by David Schnark. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he died last year, but he's written some amazing books. It's 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 a weird spelling. It's S N S C H N A R C H. I think okay. very peculiar. Very good spelling. Um, and he's written some great books the, um, on intimacy. And uh, what other books? So Betty Dodson online, if you want to um, get some ideas or, or listen to her talk about all things sexual for all people. She has little podcasts, little vlogs on YouTube. Nice. I love her and her website. Um, what else would we be looking at? Um, for men, a great book for men, because you know we can work with women but men need to up their game as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so the, the new male sexuality is a great book because it not only explains male sexuality to men in a much more realistic, holistic, gentle way than it's taught to men. It also has some stuff in there on women and fabulous. women's needs and how to be a better lover. Fabulous, fabulous. Emily, you're just fantastic and, and so, so warm and giving in, in your information. And it's so important and, and you deliver so well and you're a great communicator. I really appreciate you doing this and thank My you pleasure. so thank much. Thank you for thinking of me, Mary. Not at all. You're just Always amazing. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I even washed my hair for you, Mary, and took the leaves out of it. <laughs> I always look such a, I always feel like I look like I'm dragged through a bat, bush backwards when I'm around you. Well, you're a terrific educator. <laughs> and I wash my hair. You're fantastic, <laughs> Emily. You're a terrific educator. I know people are going to love this podcast. And thank you so much. Thank you thank again. You. Take care. Okay, take care. 